radio. There is a there is a formula, and I don't mean yep. necessarily a musical formula, which of course there is, but there's a formula for the listener. They want to be ministered to. They want to hear about Jesus and resurrection, and that's what they want to hear. Because if we don't provide songs with those lyrics, then they might as well be listening to secular radio. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to episode 201 of Between the Grooves. <laughs> A little bit of an echo. Did you ever watch the Osmonds? The like, like Donnie Marie? Yeah, Donnie Marie, Osmond. Yeah. They had a variety show way back when. And the, yeah, intro, the intro to that was always Donnie basically saying, ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to, and whatever the name of the show was. Yeah, it was, it was always the same intro. And how do I know? Because I memorized it, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, my gosh. So welcome to Between the Grooves. Just simple, yes. simple as that. I like that. Yeah, that's right. This yeah. is your weekly look at music and ministry and everything in between with today's top Christian artists, 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 artists. There's that echo again. I don't know why I echoed that part. <laughs> that's so... <laughs> and it wasn't even an effects unit that did it. It was just your voice doing it. That's what <laughs> makes it funny. Hey, listen, today's episode, uh, it's a radio friend who has successfully managed artists and groups. In fact, the first time we had him on the podcast, that's what we talked about. And uh, he's been having a little fun on his own now with a little pet project. And uh, his name is Scott Jackson, and we're going to be catching up with him in just a bit. But before we do, before we do, before we do, a question for you, Drew. Okay. So when you were a kid... Did you have a dream of what you wanted to be? You know how when kids are young, you know, oh, I want to be a fireman or I want to be a policeman or I want to be in the army or or whatever. What was what was your thing back when you were a kid? Um, It was a combination of um, being like a scientist because I love like NASA and space shuttles. But I was like, I don't want to go to space. That's scary. Um, (laughs) and, And also I wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh, okay. It's actually a huge thing for me. I really wanted to do that. And actually, I found my love for music through film. Okay. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that was my, I wanted to be like the black Steven Spielberg. That's what I wanted to do. Right. Right. Blackberg. That's, right. that's who I was going to be. Well, yeah. Drew Brown, <laughs> Steven Spielberg, two different names, but yeah, I see that. Yeah. See yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, do a little right. film now anyways. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. But it's, yeah, it's, that was a huge, huge dream. When I was like grade three, four, five, six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I, I don't know if I had a specific thing I wanted to do. You know, I, I was probably too immature at that point to to even think (laughs) about it seriously. So I might've said I wanted to be a fireman or a police officer or whatever else, but uh, like maybe I wanted to be a cowboy. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, uh, 
I know when I was really young, of course, we went to church all the time and I saw the preacher standing up on the platform and I thought, wow, you know, that's that's cool. And he, so I can remember and my, my mom has reminded me about this a few times in the past where uh, I, as a young child, I remember early in the morning, I'd be, you know, my dad has gone off to work. You know, we're just kind of getting up now and I would stand behind the coffee table and pretend I was preaching. Um, just not that I wanted to be a preacher. This just I, you know, I uh, admired preachers, I suppose, right? And, right, and seeing what right. they were doing, and it looked like fun. I don't know that I would necessarily have wanted to do that because I was a really shy kid. Like I was, uh, you could not get me in front of a crowd of people. Um, I remember even in in you know grade five, six, seven, if the teacher called on me in the middle of class, and especially if it was a class I wasn't good at. My face would get red. I would tear up. I would be so embarrassed that the teacher was calling on me, especially because I didn't even have a good response to give for whatever question was being asked. You know, right, yeah, you know, the yeah. teacher just kind of picks and says, "What about you, James?" Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I don't know the answer, and now I'm really embarrassed. You know, that's right. Yeah, so totally. I was just this shy little kid, and I obviously got over it. I mean, when I got into radio, and that's kind of I thought that'd be kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I I like the audio background learning yeah. about audio and stuff was the yeah. first part of, part of it because you need to know that for radio anyways and then I, I still remember um, I had my internship I was working at a radio station and it dawned on me it was an evening shift I think it was on the weekend Saturday night or something like that sure. and, and yeah. while I was on the radio it dawned on me that wow there's like thousands of people listening to me right now and yeah. I, I think that was the moment for me that I, I kind of overcome uh, overcame the the the, the you know uh, nervousness and the shyness and and whatever else because it was like oh I've been doing this for a while now I didn't really picture or fathom that there's all these people listening and right. and I've done okay so you know that yeah, was that yeah. was the thing for me so uh, but I don't know if I, as a kid I had this dream to to be in radio necessarily. Um, right, didn't listen right. to the radio when I was a kid and you know we'd listen to cassettes in the car on the way to church or of something course, like that you of know? Course. Yeah, it was all yeah. integrity back then you know yeah the Hosanna integrity that's yeah. right I remember that stuff oh yeah so uh, but you know it's interesting because the the person that we have as a guest on Between the Grooves today uh, it was a radio guy as well and that's right. how I got to know him um, but he always had this thing you know, this little pet thing that he wanted to do, and he wanted to do a little bit of music. And I guess the last, you know, 12 to 16 months has forced people to do things a little differently and people with a lot more time on their hands. Mm-hmm. And so he took the opportunity to, uh, you know, have this little uh, this little passion of his to, to record some music and, and be an artist in a sense. And it's again, it's just a little pet project, but he's getting some radio airplay with his first single. Uh, Scott Jackson, the group is The Eighth Line, and the song is Your Sad Eyes, and it's getting airplay across Canada. And we're going to catch up with him now. Scott Jackson on Between the Grooves. We're good. Just dive in. Scott Jackson. Hello. Hey. <laughs> now, Drew, you remember we had Scott on way back when. Way back when, yeah. Uh, we were chatting about... Artist management, I believe. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, now the tables have turned. Right? <laughs> it would seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. So Dude, congratulations on the new release, man. Well, thanks, man. It's uh, putting me on the other side of the microphone, something I've always wanted to do. And uh, 
Now it's happening. I didn't know you were a singer. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> well, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> Evidently, yes. Evidently. Um, uh, you, the fact you've got a song out, uh, the group or, or the name of the band, if you want to call it that, is The Eighth Line. Um, what's the significance, significance of that? It's got multi-layers. Um, the first one was... I was living in Barrie, and I'm a cyclist, and I would ride from Barrie out of town into Oro Station, which is where the 8th line is, and that was my kind of my destination. I would turn around at the 8th line and go home. So the 8th line was always part of my, my cycling journey. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out to Oro, and it turned out totally coincidentally that I live just off the 8th line. Right. So that's kind of interesting. And then uh, two years ago, when the Rolling Stones played at Burroughs Creek, that was the only Canadian date that they played, Burroughs Creek is, guess where, on the eighth line. Right. So the eighth line has got uh, lots of significance for me, and I thought that would be a good name to name the band, or maybe, maybe it's like a project other than the band. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured, I figured it was the second scenario that you lived there. I didn't know about the whole cycling thing when you lived in Barrie. Um, and I didn't even put the two and two together when you're talking about the Rolling Stones. So, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the backstage entrance to Burroughs Creek is actually on the eighth line. Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. Now, how long has this like the idea of you becoming an artist? How long has that been sort of playing in the back of your mind? Uh, I think since um, I was 16. Okay. 16 years old. That's going back? Yeah, a little ways, yeah. It's just a, a case of being a frustrated rock star. And like a lot of people who work in radio, nudge, nudge, they are actually frustrated rock stars, but they go into radio because it's as close as they can get. <laughs> and maybe they can't sing. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly. Or they can't play an instrument. So right. That's one of the reasons why I went into radio. I mean, there were other reasons, but um, sure, sure. that's as close as I could get to the microphone. And so what made you decide now, as far as the timing is concerned, to, you know, write some music, get into the studio and actually record the stuff? Time's running out. Yeah, Fair enough. Like bro. literally? <laughs> literally. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. okay, am I going to do this or not? And uh, I mean, there's a couple of other factors. Like I'm, I'm semi-retired from radio, so I have a lot of extra time and I'm an empty nester, so with my kids not being at home anymore, I have the disposable income where I can put it into something. So uh, I asked my wife, and with COVID being on, we're not spending money on going on trips, which we like to travel a lot, and we're not spending money on trips. So now I'm sitting on a you know a little bit of money. I'm going to put that into a recording. Nice, yeah. nice, and and it keeps you busy too, right? It's it's something that you know a lot of people over the course of the last 12 to 14 months with COVID. They've been twiddling their thumbs, perhaps bored. You know, they finished watching everything on Netflix, and yeah, now they're yeah. now they're complaining uh, that they've got nothing to do. Whereas, if you actually take and say, "I've got some time on my hands," I think this is what I'm going to do. Whether it turns out to something big later on, who knows, right? Well, they're only complaining about nothing being on Netflix because they haven't watched The Good Doctor. <laughs> if you get started on that, then it opens up a whole new window for you. Right. Right. <laughs> That's so good. I'm curious about your, like, because you've been, you know, the radio guy, you still are a radio guy, and you've done the artist management thing, and now here you are as an artist. Um, are you finding that there are some things that you would make your artist do that you're having issues with or problems with? Or, like, you're like, I don't want to do that today. But you know that you have to? I don't know if I've gotten into it that far or if there's – 
well, I, there, there must be more to discover. Um, mm. But what I like, I've I've helped direct a song with a producer, not being the producer, although I've been given the the title executive producer, but that's kind of a, a glorified position because I'm not actually on the controls. Um, but right. it, the executive producer is the person who kind of casts the vision and says, I want it to sound like this. I want it to have this kind of a vibe. And mm -hmm. I guess as the executive producer, you're the one that has the final say over right. what comes out. So I have been executive producer on, on quite a few songs, um, but haven't been on the microphone as a singer of course i have as a dj so what i'm learning as a singer is okay we do take one we dig we do take two we do take three. Oh, we're gonna do take 15 okay <laughs> right so i am i am not like i i will admit in all seriousness i am not a good singer but when you go into the studio and if you do 15 takes of every song then the producer can take take two of the first line and take four of the second line and That's just right. piece it all together until you get something that sounds actually kind of good. But what would you do in a live concert scenario then? Are you are you looking at <laughs> yeah. that possibility? I mean, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, so we, we joked about that. So some, I don't know who it was. There's lip syncing. It, <laughs> it was probably my wife who said, well, you can't really pull it off live though, can you? And I said, well, well no, because I can't. I'm not gifted to sing like that. I can vocalize, but that there's a big difference between vocalizing and singing, right? But right. after she said that, well, then I started, you know, have some dreams at night, and I'm thinking, well, why can't I do a show? I could do a show at my house. I put on house parties about four times a year where I have bands come into the house, and, like, we have yeah, a do. small light show. And, like, Drew, you played here. Uh, yeah. Like, we have a sound guy, and I and we pack way too many people into the house and it, like we just like we rock the house well if i do a show at my house these are my friends my friends will be sympathetic and they'll understand what i'm trying to do i'm just trying to live out the fantasy of being a rock star and if there's only one date on the tour and it's at my house <laughs> the tour <laughs> we're calling it the tour now okay okay yeah, yeah, but it may only be one date, but it is an oral station. And don't forget, the Rolling Stones played an oral station. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Putting everything in perspective, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's right. Thank that's you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't think you would actually go and open for anybody, you know, that's, you know, touring Canada or wherever? Uh, <laughs> you don't think you would hit the coffee pubs or the, or the taverns no. or whatever? No. Uh,. No, I, I don't foresee myself doing that. I'm not going to say never because the last time I said never, I ended up in Nicaragua. Hmm. There we uh, go. Like, it's, you know, like never say never, but I highly doubt that that's going to happen. That's not really part of my, my quest. Right. But, but when you sense. say coffee pubs, like, you know, if Drew's coming to town and he wants to play, then I'm happy to back him up on percussion. Right. And, and you are, dude, I love playing with you, man. Like, I am so a percussionist, but, but I have been, uh, as I've been playing percussion, I have been singing um, a little bit of harmony, like quietly, oh. so that I don't interfere. Uh, but I'm kind of like getting, I think I'm getting the knack for that a little bit. When you say quietly, are you actually on mic or you're just kind of singing to yourself? Uh, the mics are not near my mouth. They're near my hands and my feet for percussion. Oh, okay. So, I see. I see. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Just, I'm singing out loud so I can hear, but it's probably not going into the mic. Right. But it's helping me. Like Seriously, it's helping me gain some confidence. Maybe I can do some backup. Sure. Sure. There you go, Drew. I've been, I've offered to Drew many times to sing backup for him, and he's never taken me up on the offer. Very disappointing. Yeah, uh, but maybe James, you, there's a reason for that. 
Uh, and, and what's the reason, sir, Scott? Yeah. Can you? Can you... Uh, oh, um, oh, hang on. I think there's somebody at my door. <laughs> Bad connection. <laughs> You're breaking up. You're breaking up. That's right. That's nice. That's nice. I have. I You're, have. You're a radio guy. You've got the same excuse that I do. No, you know what? I've <laughs> I've sung backup before. I used to lead worship, and I sang backup on a couple of. Uh, a friend of mine had a, a few songs that he released, and I sang backup on one of them, and I sang harmony, and uh, and that was on mic, not you know, instru- you know, not the uh, percussion instruments being mic'd up and just picking me up in the background. No, this was actually oh, recorded the separate track just for me. He he wants to win this one. That's right, he does. <laughs> Sorry, he I'm really gonna win. Does. I'm gonna win. Okay, <laughs> come on. I'm trying to convince myself now. I guess. That's right. <laughs> well, when I recorded uh, your sad eyes, being a percussionist. I brought some of my accessories with me, and I said to my producer, Andy Horrocks, okay, we're going to put some castanets in here. And he says, okay. And we're going to put some shakers on here. And he said, okay. And we're going to put some hand claps over here. And he said, okay. I said, we're going to have a weirdo playing in here. It's like the last... The last like four bars of the song is like a per- is a percussion warehouse of stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you but can hear it throughout the artist. song, anyways. You can hear it throughout, <laughs> yeah. the, and it sounds great. It does. I think like I think it all fits. I tried to do it tastefully, but I mean because I'm the percussionist, I'm the singer, I'm the artist, and I'm the executive producer. We're going to put all the percussion in here we can get. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? Definitely. Why not? For sure. I mean, if anything, you can win award win an award just for the percussion side of things. If there is a, oh, such really? an award, if there oh. is such an award, that that's the caveat I there. I think there there should right. be. There should be. Yeah. There should be. Hey, you'll dig GMA this. Canada. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I play every Sunday at my home church. I play percussion, and uh, I try to introduce new percussion accessories when i can find them i think i own just about all of them i know where this is going scott because i saw you a recent post from you Did where you? yeah the coke bottle okay, right don't, don't steal my thunder i'm yes, sorry so i brought sorry. along i brought along a, a glass coke bottle and i had yes. um an arm on the tripod with nothing on it so i stuck the coke bottle on it and i was actually trying to duplicate michael jackson um one of his songs uh don't wait till you don't 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 start till you get enough don't wait don't be yeah. What is it called? Don't, don't wait till you get don't enough. Don't stop till you get enough. Don't, don't stop. stop that's enough. what. It, yeah. yeah. And so there's all this like percussion, cool like glass bottle uh, noises going on, and I was trying to copy that, and I isolated it on YouTube, and I watched it, and I tried to copy that. So the Coke bottle has come in handy. And will that? Oh, that's so good. Will that be part of your regular setup now? It sure will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we should we should mention too that you're a huge Coke fan, right? Uh, like, anyways, like you're drinking that stuff all the time. Yeah, that's right. I, I drink it and then I bring it to the percussion stand. Right, right, right. You uh, you should oh, you should get some kind of kickback from Coca Cola for all the posts that you do on social media promoting their product. Uh, the pictures that are posted with you with a Coca Cola product in your hands, and now with this recent picture that you posted as it as it's part of your percussion, you know, repertoire. Yeah, you have not You'd approached so. them, I guess. You've not approached them? Uh, no, I haven't approached them. <laughs> I need a manager to do that. I need a manager for that. Well, I know a guy who manages artists. and Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Oh I can't gosh. wear all the hats at the same time. Right. Yeah, fair enough. I have a buddy of mine out in uh, out in Oshawa. He actually uh, works, or used to work with like, Josh McCabe on a lot of production stuff. And he's an amazing drummer. Amazing. I think you might have worked with him out there. I can't remember his name right now. Um, Mark Shore? But, uh, yeah, Mark Shore. That's it. Yeah. And uh, I remember working with him on a bunch of projects, and he has this massive, and you might have seen it, this massive bottle of Jack Daniels, empty bottle of Jack Daniels. Huge, just huge thing. 
and jammed with nails and screws and all these bits oh. and bytes from construction. And he uses oh. that as a, as a percussive instrument. Does and it he sounds shake it or hammer ins- on it. Shake it, and it sounds amazing. Oh, and it's like a t- it's a two hander. Like you can't do a one hand. It's like a like a big two hand thing. It sounds That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I'll check it out. So Scott's going to go now to the liquor store and buy himself yeah. this huge honking <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniels. Exactly. Got to do Goes something well with, with it. Goes I'm well going to go to right. I'm going to go to the liquor store and I'm going to say, "Excuse me, but can I buy an empty bottle of Jack Daniels?" Right. <laughs> Well, the bottles are worth something for recyclable purposes. You get like ten they or fifteen are. cents on it. I, I'm oh. uh, in some in some you know places in Canada and U.S. So you know maybe that's all you have to pay. I'll go through the Nimbin and see if there's one there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can we talk? Let's talk a little bit about your sad eyes, which is the name of the first single from the eighth line. Um, what inspired the lyrics on this song and? Uh, what was the process to get it to Christian radio? Uh, it just comes out of James 5 about uh, people who have fallen away, and it's our responsibility as Christians to tr- try to bring our brothers back. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. And, and the process is like marketing it to Christian radio to try to get it on as many Christian stations as I can. And one of the other hats I wear is as a marketer and distributor to get the music out there. Right. So that part was easy for you. Yeah, that was pretty easy, yeah. And are you, I understand you're try, going to try and get this song out to mainstream radio as well? I got a little bit of rejection from Christian radio. They said, no, it sounds too classic rock. It sounds like a really good 90s song. And uh, wow. so I guess like it's not an adult contemporary song because there are really no guitars in current music for adult contemporary. But there's yeah, still yeah. rock radio, and rock radio like is based on guitar. Now, there isn't as many rock radio stations around anymore. Like There is signif- significantly less. Um, but right now, we're marketing it to uh, mainstream adult contemporary, and then we might open it up to rock radio. That's good. I don't understand why you would get... Uh, any negative feedback from Christian radio, specifically because there's so many Christian songs that sound very similar. Why? That's why. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But why wouldn't That's you want why, a yeah. different sound? Like to me, I, I would say you would want your 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 mix on the radio to sound different, and mm. you don't want every song sounding the same because then people yeah, just kind of tune you out. You know, <laughs> but you do, man. You do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> want, radio. There is a there is a formula. I don't mean yep. necessarily a musical formula, which of course there is, but there's a formula for the listener, and there's yes. a line where they draw, and they don't want to go beyond that. And when when Christian listeners come to Christian radio, they want to be ministered to. They want to hear about Jesus, uh, and God, and God in their life, and hope, and resurrection, and that's what they want to hear. Because if we don't provide songs with those lyrics, then they might as well be listening to secular radio. So what Christian radio, what we on the on the radio side, what we have gone through is we're trying to sound like a secular station so that we can relate to the rest of the world and we can relate to Christians and we can talk about not just Christian things, but we can talk about, hey, did you see American Idol? Did you go to this movie? We talk about other things than just Christ in our lives. But now after having done that, I found that people really only want to hear about Jesus. They only want to hear the DJs talk about Jesus, and they want to hear the the songs sing about Jesus. Because if it's not about Jesus, they might as well go back to secular radio. And that's what what Christian artists do not understand. 
um, Christian artists, some of them want to sing about Jesus, and some of them don't want to sing about Jesus. They want to sing about everything else, which is cool. They want to sing about going on their boat or making a coffee or, or any topic that, that they can think of. But that's not what the listeners want. They're coming to Christian radio because they want to be ministered to. And uh, so artists that are making songs that are not about Jesus won't get on Christian radio because that's not what the listeners want. And from a radio standpoint, we have to give the listeners what they want. The listeners are our customers. And if our customers don't shop at our radio station, they'll shop somewhere else. So you got to give the customers what they want. You know, I, I so understand what you're saying, Scott. I don't necessarily agree with the philosophy behind it because that's that's like, this is what I expect in church. This is what I expect to hear all the time in church. And right. and if you, if you make it too churchy uh, or too... Uh, I'll use the word religious, then what about the new people coming in for the first time and they don't like that style or they're used to hearing something else? Are you going to force them to conform to this to this Christian sound or the Christian way of doing things in church? Yeah, so what you're talking about is um, a church service that is, is open to non-believers and we're making it palatable for them. But when you do that, then you're watering it down for the people who want more. And so Christian radio, this is this is my opinion as a broadcaster, Christian radio has to be Christian. It can't be not Christian. It can't be watered down. The Bible's not watered down. And so we don't want to water it down on the air. So if a non-Christian listens in for the first time and they went and they think, oh man, that's too religious for me, then my answer to that would be, it's, this is not their time. Let the Holy Spirit do his job and we'll bring them in whenever they're ready. But when they're ready, when they want to hear the word of God in music and through the DJs, then we'll have it for them. Yeah, hmm. I, I understand that. I, I just don't uh, I just don't think that's necessarily um, I'm playing I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. think yeah, it's necessarily I, <laughs> I just don't think you mean it's like nece- the opposite point of view, don't you? Yeah, well, I just I just uh, I just feel that you have to have something that attracts people. And I think Christians and again, looking at the church type scenario. And and I've uh, mentioned this to Drew in the past where, uh, you know, uh, I remember distinctly there was there was a in my church, there was a um, there was a party uh, for kids uh, on October 31st. Of course, it wasn't called a um, Halloween party. It was a harvest party or whatever terminology you want to use. And I remember at one point it was it was being held in the gym and off the side of the gym, there was an area that the uh, Sunday school and the youth group would meet. It was a separate auditorium that they would meet for worship and for preaching and whatnot. And I remember this this whole um, this whole harvest party, if you want to call it that. People were wearing costumes. Some of them were just you know I'll call them secular sure. costumes. Others were biblical oh type costumes. Everybody's having fun. And at one point, a person in the church who I know. Uh, basically said to all the kids, okay, kids, let's go into the sanctuary now. And I'm thinking to myself, do these kids even know what the word sanctuary means? It's such a religious title, and I don't think that necessarily attracts people when you use verbiage that that is religious verbiage, I guess is what I'm saying. And so, sure. and, and, and I'm just trying to, you know, use that in contrast to Christian radio, as an example, where you've got a song like Your Sad Eyes, why can't it be played on Christian radio? Why can't Christians yeah. uh, enjoy that song? It's not necessarily a song that is, you know, um, 
talking about Jesus. Evangelical. Yeah. Right. 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 It's not an, it's not an evangelical song, and I knew that I knew that when I wrote it. Um, as, as a manager and as a radio guy, I've said this to a lot of artists. You have to decide what kind of an artist you are. Are you the artist that wants to write and record a song and say, this is me, this is my art. Sometimes it's about Jesus. Sometimes it's about going on my boat. It could be about anything, but I'm an artist, and so this is an expression of my heart. So are you that kind of an artist? Or are you a business artist which is saying, I'm a songwriter and this is how I make my living. And if I want to make my living, I have to shop where the customers are or give the customers what they want. And they want Jesus in the songs. And so that's what I will give them. And both of them are okay. You just have to choose which way you're going. And so with, with the eighth line, I'm saying I'm an artist. I'm not trying to get on the radio. That's not my end goal. I mean, I've worked in radio for 40 years. So I've had my fill of like right. having fun on radio. Uh, you would think that I would want to be on the radio, and I have one radio station that I can get on, which is the one that I work at. Um, but if I don't get on other Christian radio stations, I don't really care. I, I've made a song that fulfills my, my rock star desire, and that makes me happy. Is that your end goal? Yes. My, my end goal is to make myself happy. This is, this is like my hobby, and... Um, right. Yeah, this is my hobby. This is what I'm doing. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm not doing it to sell records. I'm not doing it to go on tour. I'm not doing it to get a crowd. I'm just doing it because I just want to feel what it's like to rock and roll behind a microphone. And if somebody wants so, to come to my house and see me, then great. And that's cool. I think that's really good. I think, honestly, that's an, a true and honest way to kind of dive into the music world. It's like, just do it because you love it. Do it because it's Yeah, I'm doing it because I love it. Yeah. Can I, can yeah, I right? tell you a story, though, about the, about the business side? Like, so I was interviewing Randy yeah. Bachman years ago, and this was, this was like 20 – this is about 20 years ago. I was working in – I was more than that. I was working in an oldies radio station, so we were playing Taking Care of Business. So Randy was in the station. He was like touring around. He came in the station for an interview, and I said, like, I heard, like, I heard your song, Taking Care of Business, on a TV commercial selling Ford trucks. And that just felt really weird. And his answer to me was, I'm a songwriter. You want to buy my song? Does Ford want to buy my song for $25,000? Here, it's for sale. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. As, as music fans, we listen to Taking Care of Business and we think, like, what a great song. Oh, no, don't sell it. You're selling out, man. You're selling out to the world. But it's his song. And he's saying, if somebody wants to buy my song, then fine. And, and that's the business side of him. And then you get the other, you get other artsy people who say, I will never sell my song to Pop-Tarts. In fact, John Mellencamp said that. I heard him say it in concert at Maple Leaf Gardens. He said, you will never hear me sell out my song for Pop-Tarts. And he didn't. But years later, he did sell it. I, I can't remember if it was for shoes or something. And it was actually Cherry Bomb that he sold. So, you know. People reserve the right to change their minds whenever they want. That, that's it. Sure, that's exactly and I suppose right. if they are going to, quote-unquote, sell out, they would probably want to sell out or at least sell the song to a product that they would agree with versus something like that Coca -Cola. they Like Coca-Cola. Yeah, for you, yeah. Your right. sad eyes matched up with Coca-Cola? <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, in my case, I'm not, I'm not trying to build a fan base. If one comes along, fine. But, no, I'm just doing it to fulfill a fantasy. Yeah, and that's awesome. I think it's fantastic. I'm super curious about the uh, the radio conversation about like songs that are, let's say, about Jesus or speaking the truth of Jesus, and songs that are kind of like written from a perspective of a Christian. Um, yeah, 
So like this is like the this is like would be the equivalent of like a switchfoot versus like a Phil Wickham, let's say. Yeah. I know what so you mean. um you know what I'm saying? So Yes. Uh so in your perspective, uh most stations probably wouldn't play switchfoot because they're not Christian enough. Is that uh, well that it, no that varies statement? from station to station. Um Michael W. Smith said something years ago and they radio said to him you don't have Jesus in the song. So, like, how do we know if you're singing about Jesus or you're singing about your girlfriend or you're singing about your mom or what? And Michael W. Smith said, I've been in the business long enough. I think I've built up enough credibility. You kind of have to give me the benefit of the doubt. Right. Thought, that's, that's a great answer because yeah. if you have to put the J <laughs> word in every song, that's getting silly. Right. But if you if the song isn't doesn't have spiritual context at all, then it shouldn't be on a spiritual radio station. <laughs> that's fair yeah like so christians uh, i like as i market songs christians say well how come i can't get on a christian station because you're not singing about the lord or a higher power or about a faith component you're singing about your boat you know you should go on the boating station i love the i love the boat analogy you could keep bringing up because i don't yeah. i don't know many songs that have you know are that are about boats but anyways <laughs> well there was one called rock the boat by the hughes corporation yeah, were they referring to a literal boat? Yes. There's Sail on Sailor by the Beach Boys. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. He's prepared. He's prepared. I think I've there's a lot more homework. There's there's a lot more songs, especially in country radio, you know, that have to do with trucks and pickups <laughs> and stuff, you know? Well, that's right. And if they didn't sing about trucks and pickups, then there would be a void on country radio. Or they'd be singing about boats. There we go. Right? Boats. Right. 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 But as people when people come to Christian radio, they want to hear about Christ. That's why it's called Christian radio. Hmm. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. I don't necessarily disagree. I just love this topic. I think it's fascinating because you're right. There's tons of Christian artists who kind of like, like I, I sort of swim back and forth myself even where like a lot of my songs are about Jesus. Some of them are just about life and my perspective on the world. Right. So um, you send your Christian songs, your Jesus songs to Christian radio and you sing your songs about life and you keep them for a concert or keep them for an album, album track. Or release them to the mainstream. Yeah. and But it would be the equivalent of like if you are, uh, let's say that you are a country artist and you sing and you send your song to a classic rock station. They're going to say, well, it's not the right format. Or if you go to McDonald's and you say, I want to order a keg steak. And they say, no, we serve hamburgers. Well, why don't you serve steaks? Because that's not what we do. I mean, you, ha you have a customer base and you have to serve the customers. And if you don't serve the customers, they'll go shop somewhere else. So is there, I love this topic. It's really fascinating to me, especially, yeah. Um, so is there um, a fear in you? Because when I think about like um, the extreme of this would be like air one in, 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 in the States where it's like now it's like mostly praise and worship and nothing else. Um, is there a fear in you that um, that could happen in Canada where a lot of stations would sort of like move away from the artist side completely and lean towards praise and worship? Um, I don't know if I would use the word fear. I mean, if the songs are, are being written for yeah. and about God, then there's no fear in that. Um, I mean, as a radio person, we have shifted in the last year, like since I kind of stepped down and Steve Jones took my place. And he has added more praise and worship to the regular uh, regular days programming. We do have Sunday, which is all praise and worship music, but yes. he's added yeah. during the day. And I say, if you add it during the day, then the specialty of Sunday being all praise and worship, it won't be special anymore. 
right. the praise and worship that he's adding is like elevation worship. And these songs don't sound right. like the old. It's not like Hillsong and Don Moen. These these are songs that right. sound like regular pop songs. So it's a, here yeah. we go again. Now this is a different kind of worship. Yeah, that's that's the distinction I was waiting to hear because when you think of CCM music, um, you don't necessarily think of worship songs, but yet worship right. songs are still a part of it. And then, so where did this, this? Where's the distinction between a worship song and a contemporary, a Christian contemporary sound that's again like your elevation or even some of the Hillsong stuff, um, Hillsong Young and Free, where it's it's not necessarily um, a worship song, but it could be considered worship music. It's it's worship because it's pointing up, but it's a pop song because it's arranged and it's produced like CCM music. Right, right. And so radio wants to play CCM, at least right now. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but the softer your format on the radio, the more listeners you're going to get. So if you target with rock songs, you're going to negate all of the adults and you're going to keep like a, a younger a younger rock audience but if you make the it softer not just adult contemporary but if you were to go inspirational and you're playing even softer music you'll actually get more listeners so if you're in it for the number of listeners or and the donations then the idea is to go softer right i understand that and it's a lot i think it's a lot easier in the united states where you you've got a bunch of christian radio stations in a single um uh, population base uh, so you can get away with different formats, whereas in Canada, I mean, usually there's just one station per market, and so they've kind of got to meet the needs of everybody, and that's why you get that mix where you've got you know, some rockish-type sounds and the worship sounds, and you try to assemble a good music mix and make it all sound good together. Yeah. Mm. When, you, uh, when you try to do that, though, you're actually alienating every, every audience. <laughs> During the day, you play adult contemporary music, and then if you play youth music at night, then when that happens, say, say at 7 o'clock you change to youth music, you're saying goodbye to all of your adult listeners yeah. and hello to all the youth <laughs> listeners. But if you don't right. make the change at 7 o'clock and you keep it adult, you'll never get the youth, right. but you'll keep the adults. And personally, my personal feeling is that young people don't listen to uh, contemporary Christian music anyway. They like young and free, and they like for king and country, and they don't care mm-hmm. about the other stuff. Uh, my personal feeling is that young people don't think that Christian music is as good as secular music unless it's played on secular radio and then it's validated, <laughs> like Switchfoot right, or right. like Skillet. Yeah. But otherwise, right. it will never be cool enough. So I, I think that the, the audience, the young audience, I think it's like drying up. You know, it's funny you say that because my, my kids are teens and do they listen to their dad doing the morning show? Um Usually not. I mean, my daughter, I think her, her, she's still got a clock radio that she uses to get up in the morning. And so she tells me that she listens to me all of 30 seconds or whatever's playing at that time. I not, <laughs> might not necessarily be talking or whatnot. And then every once in a while, she'll come to me and she says, oh, I heard this song on the radio and it's like, it was actually pretty good. And I'm, you know, ask her what time and everything else. And I'm able to trace back to see what song it was. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's a great song. We've been playing it for a while. Um, we have a lot of other great music, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. People do not listen to the radio as long as we think they do. They're right. doing many other things. There's a lot of other music sources, and they have busy lives. Yeah. We work in radio, so we think, like, radio is the most important thing. What's wrong with you? But it's not. Right. 
Yeah, and and I guess it it, it changes for people uh, where they where where they are in life as well. Because I I still find, and this is what you've always heard in radio, that a lot of people listen in the morning when they're on their way to work. And I find that, especially when I'm doing a contest or whatever, um, we've got a lot of people listening on their way to work, um, or right before they're heading out. Like we've got some some things that we do where they text in, and I'll see you know in the first hour and a half of the show. Uh, a lot of text, texts coming in, and then after that, it, it dries up a bit. I'm assuming they're on the road by that time, and they don't want to text and drive. But certainly when we do contests, uh, the majority of the people that would call in are, it's obvious they're on their cell phone. It's obviously that they're driving um, versus throughout the day. You know, we have a lot of spoken word programs during the day anyways. And so I'm, 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 I know for a fact that there are people that just like certain preaching from certain teachers or whatever and they will listen at this time every day for this program uh, and may not even listen to the music side of things during the drive times mm-hmm. yeah so yeah probably true yeah oh we've gone a little off topic thanks drew no this is i think this is good i mean as long as it's in radio and music and stuff that's still on topic for me yeah yeah um, I can talk about all of it. I'm very, very talented in so many areas. I can multitask. <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy! <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we're gonna pump you. What up. was it? What was it like for you in the studio? Because I know you've been, I mean, you've been in the studio before, but as a, like a manager, as someone who's sort of helping out a band, how was the experience for you? Because now you're sitting in a different chair. Yeah, I. Well, I got to do. I got to do it, and. I was told as a singer, it doesn't matter how badly you sing, the producer says, we can fix it. If you're off pitch, we can fix it. But we can't fix passion. So sing like with passion and like let the words cry out and let the words smile out and have lots of warmth and have just ooze personality because we can't manufacture that. But if you're off the notes, we can fix that. So as a a guy who's been working in radio, uh, like I'm used to, uh, speaking ho- hopefully passionately so getting on the microphone and doing it like there was no mic for it i have zero mic for it i can just like and, and, and don't worry yeah. if i'm off if i'm off pitch he's gonna fix it that's his problem when i go home he'll fix it all he probably had a lot of fixing it's so good <laughs> it's true what you say about being on mic though like you're on the fact that you've had the radio experience you're on a microphone every day or at least you were every day and then being behind the mic to record something, it's just a different studio, different task, but you're just doing it a little differently. You're singing versus speaking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. When, uh, when it came time to do the harmonies, because I'm not a singer, to do harmonies was a challenge for me. And so my producer is Andy, said, okay, we're going to do a harmony for this first song. And he says, you could do something like this. And he goes like, la, 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 la. And I go, okay. So you ready, Scott? Okay, here we go. And I go, la, 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 la. And he says, no, 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 it's la, 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 la. And I say, okay, la, 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 la. No, no, it's not like that. And we had to go line by line, and I was trying to mimic him because I was struggling to do the harmonies. But having since done the harmonies on your sad eyes, now I'm, now I'm starting to be aware of how to do it a little bit. Right, right. How did you write the music for the song? How did that process go? I gave it to Andy. <laughs> I wrote the so, lyrics. So he wrote, and he wrote yeah, the music. I, yeah, I wrote the lyrics. I sent it to him. And when he read it, he said, okay, I think it sounds something like this. I gave him a, a foundational start. Like I said, here's a song. I like the sound of the song. If you could write it 
something like that. And so that gave him a place to start for reference. And then he made the song and he gave it back to me. And I, then I thought, well, the lyrics don't quite fit. He's trying to fit them in. So then I adjusted the lyrics. We went back and forth a few times to make it fit. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So I'm just imagining like you guys working on this. Was it, was your first kind of listen to you know, what Andy sort of created? Was it like a huge shock? Was there any party that's like, kind of like, that's like, that's not what I had in my head whatsoever. I'm not sure if I like this. Or was it instantly like, or somewhere in between, <laughs> was it like, you know, somewhere, like where in the range of like emotional, like, mm, I like this or I don't like this. Were you at when you first got that first taste of what it's, what it's going to sound like? I, I wasn't in shock when I heard the playback and I heard me singing like one take of the song in all of its pitchiness. Yeah. I, I thought to myself, <laughs> that's kind of what I expected. And then I said to Andy, well, now it's your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's right. <laughs> he, he's got to do the studio magic and. But as we did each take, I think I got a little better with each take. I hope I did. That's good, man. How long would you say it took you in studio to record the various elements, whether it be the percussion or your vocals or any other instruments for that matter? And then also, uh, how much time do you perceive that it took Andy to mm. piece it all together and make, you know, come up with the final product? It took me just over an hour to do the lead vocal. Uh, it took me just over an hour to do each of the percussion, to do all of the percussion. It took me about one hour. Um, and then it took him, I think, 30 or 40 hours <laughs> to do the complete song. Uh, to right. edit the vocals, I, I don't know how long it took. It might have taken him five hours to edit the vocals. Wow. And then he has like all the other instruments to put together and balance. And he sends me a mix and says, do you like it? And then I say, no, let's let's increase the guitar. Let's cut down on this. And then he'll send me another mix. Do you like this? And so we'll go back and forth a few times. So I, in total, it's 30 to 40 hours. Wow. Is that, uh, isn't that reasonable, Drew, like in your experience? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Totally. Because I know you've produced a lot of stuff, and I've seen some of the artists that you've worked with, and I've seen them post stuff when they're in studio and they're recording with you as as the producer. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's weeks upon weeks because you're doing it in yeah. various sessions. You're doing it, uh, you know, maybe once a week for an hour or whatever time frame. Right. And and so yeah. when you compile all that and you look at it, say, yeah, it does take a lot of time. And then there's there's times when you don't see them posting about the specific recording part, but now they're talking about you know, maybe even a release date if they know something at that point. But you're still busy, busy in studio getting it all together, right? Totally, totally. I, I've been in situations where the song is done, but last minute they want a remix and a remaster. <laughs> and I'm like, the song comes out like next week, right? <laughs> and so you got to hustle, you know, to, to help them meet their deadline. That rarely happens, but it's happened to me a couple of times. And, I have uh, yeah, the there's lots where that, I don't have a label breathing down my neck, so we could take our time. And that's a thing, right? There's, there's, that's the beauty. It is the beauty of kind of being independent. You can sort of, you know, yeah. change as you go. And, as and, long as you haven't and, promoted and the fact that the song's coming out by a certain date, and right? That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, that's the only problem is that when they say, yeah, yeah it's your be out in June, whatever. Exactly. You gotta. So for me, I'm always making sure that I have everything ready to go months in advance. Actually, I never start promoting <laughs> anything until I have it done. Right. That's right. Like once it's done, I'm working with. Then I, I work with an artist right now who is like a totally last minute and did a, a lyric video like on a Wednesday night, and then Thursday morning I woke up and I saw the lyric video on my phone. I said, "Dude, oh what God. happened?" He said, "Well, it was done." I said, "But there's typos in the lyric video. Like you didn't run it by anybody for." 
for checking. <laughs> and uh, like, so he's one of the guys that like, oh, I just, I want to get it out. I want to get it out as fast as I can. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot to be said for like having friends look at it, another set of eyes, another set of ears, sleeping on mm-hmm. it, praying about it. Like, yes. don't rush yes. it. Because once it's exactly. out, it's out. That's right. And then it reflects exactly on you right. if there are, like you say, te- typos or mistakes or things that aren't the way they should be. Yeah. Well, like, look at Let It Be by the Beatles. They had Phil Spector put it out against their wishes. It comes out. It's like the Let It Be album that we all know. And then 30 years later, Paul McCartney gets the tracks and he reproduces the album the way he wants to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better late than it. But only Paul McCartney can take an album and reproduce it 30 years later. The rest of us, it is what it is. Yeah. You yeah, can't go true. back. You're you right. Can't go back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, Drew, uh, in your experience, uh, we're seeing a lot these days where artists are uh, coming out with a song, and then we're gonna then we see remixes a few weeks later. Where a remix, it's uh, either um, you know an instrumental mix, or or maybe it's just an acoustic mix, or it'll be a mix featuring this particular artist where they'll sing one of the verses. Um, uh, do you have any experience doing that? And uh, it, it seems to be a thing these days. Yeah, I do everything. So every track I work on, if there's a single, I always make sure there's an instrumental version and an acoustic version attached to it. Um, whether it's whether it's used by the artist or not, doesn't matter. Just have it ready. Because it's great for radio, it's great for TV, for sync. Um, it's important to have version, everything. That, that would require recording like maybe drums lighter and, and acoustic guitar rather than electric. That's like I mean, there's different ways you can do it. it. It can be, or it could just be acoustic and vocals and piano. It could be like, yeah, a loop. It could be, there's definitely different things you can do, but it's really easy to to sort of move things into the acoustic world and just have it ready to go. The instrumental um, side, the instrumental side, would that just be like, this is the way the sound, this, this song is without the vocals, and that's what they would use in a, as an accompaniment track if they're going mm, to perform, I not guess? Not really. Um, it, it can be for for that, or it can be for for you know TV for film because sometimes they right. want to have these parts of the song without the vocal there. Right. And so you just you know you just change the mix up a little bit to make it seem a little more you know just more full without the vocals there, and away you go. Okay, so that's yeah, that's for me, your, it's very important to have all three, and that's your expertise as a producer. So let's go back to to Scott now. Scott, have you produced these instrumentals and these other? Uh, is there other parts of this your sad eyes, or is it just the one version? I mean, do you need to go back and revisit this? No, there's just the one version. If I did an acoustic version, then we'd have to like make a whole new song because they're power drums and power guitars. Right. Yeah, you'd have to do all new instrumental tracks, and I'm not looking for that anyway. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. It's not like massively important. It's just something that uh, I learned over the millions since the dinosaurs were on the earth of doing music. And it's yeah. always come in handy, but I don't think it's doesn't need to be a hard set rule for everybody. Uh, Scott, there's more songs, right? Like you're you're recording, uh, you're writing and, and recording more songs for a potential yeah, there's album. Gonna be, uh, there's going to be eight songs in total and nice. probably four will be cover songs and four will be original. Have you already started that process? Yeah. And where are you yep, at with the, that? Uh, two songs recorded. So Your Sad Eyes, obviously, is the original. Uh, there's a cover song that's already completely recorded and waiting to be put on the album. And then the rest you'll just do over a period of time as you as you make the time for it. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's sort of a – it's like a two-year project. So, like, doing eight songs in two years. That's great. Again, I don't have a record label breathing down my neck, so I can kind of take my time. Right. 
And you can't go on any trips right now, so you're not spending your money on anything else. Okay, that's right. Can't go anywhere. Yeah, right. it's a perfect time. Are, are you doing any? You doing any Stones covers? Uh, I am in my live show. Uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> they, uh, because there is a tour. I did mention the tour, but there's only one date on the tour. Right, right, right. And yes, the one right, date on right. the tour does have a Stone song. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just the tour at his house. Just the tour. Right. Yeah. 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 Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, it's good. good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> hey, Scott. Uh, great uh, pleasure chatting with you once again. Uh, always a great friend on Between the Grooves, and yeah. uh, we, Drew, and I were both both really looking forward to this conversation and hearing the perspective. Uh, you know, even comparing it to our previous conversation about artist management, this is kind of shifting things and a completely different conversation based on your knowledge of managing an artist and now being the artist yourself. Yeah, I'm wondering how much different is this going to be? How much am I learning? And it's not that much different and I'm not learning that much, but I'm having a whole lot of fun. Right. And if you can't have fun doing it, why why bother, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's why Drew and I do what we do. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Scott. Cool, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Bless you guys. You too, bud. Yeah, you too, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Always interesting to hear um, the process in writing and recording a song. And then from Scott's perspective where he used to be managing artists that and and he was involved in that process but sitting in the other chair sitting on the other side of the glass and now he's in the studio recording this stuff and getting a feel for it and then of course having that vision of what you want the sound to be as as far as the song is concerned and and uh, it's it's nice to hear that he's having fun doing this like he's not out to make money he's not out to do concerts he's not out to get the song necessarily played on the radio anything he does get is just bonus because it's it's more of a creative project for fun right Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's the main thing when it comes to music when it comes to anything art fun has to be like front and center yes business yes you know make great art for sure but if it's not fun, if that fun part isn't there, what's the point? Right. And it's very rare for us, you know, as 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 hosts of the show, um, to have someone who's who's been sitting in all these chairs, like the producer. I mean, the producer, um, the artist, the the manager, the the radio guy. Like he's done it all. The promoter and right, yeah. and he has yeah, the promoter exactly. He's he's done so much in terms of music industry stuff, and so it's cool to, for me to see. Um, now this new perspective from Scott as as an artist is really really great. Um, he knows what he's talking about. He's a super wise guy, super smart guy, very very talented, and uh, I'm so happy that he's doing this. He's becoming the rock star he's always wanted to be, yeah. just for fun. I love it. It's yeah. so great. Uh, the other thing that uh, that I uh, I think is really inspiring is. When you listen to why he's doing it now, I mean, obviously, because, you know, why not now versus when he's not around anymore. But the other side of it, too, is, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, COVID and restrictions and stay at home and people not being able to travel. Like Scott and his wife, they travel every year. They go on cruises. They they go on trips. Uh, He's got a son that lives in Seattle area, and they'll go visit him and his wife and kids. And and he hasn't been able to do that. And a lot of people haven't been able to do stuff. And so that's why you've seen a lot of people do renovations to their house. Um, Right. You know, uh, 
they're not going on trips. And so he's right. basically taken the trip money that he would normally use, and, and now he's fulfilling this, this dream that he's had for many, many years and having some fun with it. And again, not having the stress of a record label breathing down his throat as far as when it needs to be released. It's all based on his timing, when he wants to do it. He's having fun with it. Um, it's not like he's, like I said before, trying to gain dollars from SoCan or whatever else. Yeah, that's that's right. all. That's all just gravy and, and what little comes from that, great, you know? Uh, but, but he's having fun with that. I think at the end of the day, he's having some fun and uh, why not? him not putting sort of pressure on himself um, in terms of like ego, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, okay. It's not getting played on radio. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. I yeah. get it. It's yeah. fine. I think again, it's like a healthy approach to artistry. Not that he's not taking it seriously. Not that he doesn't want to be successful. He totally does, but he's, he's not finding his, his identity in this. Right. For him, it's just it's like, let's just see what happens. Enjoy this process. Yeah. And again, that's such an amazing way to sort of be, an artist to kind of be in this space because um, it's very easy to go in the opposite direction to find all your value and your whole identity in what you do where he's kind of like I love this I want to express this I want to share this and whatever happens after that happens right that's so healthy and so good look for your sad eyes by the eighth line on YouTube Scott Jackson on between the grooves Woo-hoo. and this week's artist advice comes from Michael Cochran from Cochran and Company Oh man, uh, hone your craft. I think there's so much temptation today for new artists to spend the bulk of their time convincing people that they're good. But I think that time is much better spent just becoming good. Uh, and what I mean by that is like there's so much pressure for social media, all these other things, like all these marketing strategies. But what's going to serve you best on the front end is to be marketable, you know, to be good. And, and then worry about getting people to notice that. Uh, but if you're just trying to sell yourself the whole time without putting in the work on your talent, on your skills, on your songwriting, uh, you know, you're going to be marketing something that's not as marketable. Be marketable. I really like that. I like that term, you know, uh, talking about honing your craft, practicing, improving your skill set, letting the socials take a little bit of a backseat. It really does make sense because if you're trying to market yourself and you're not good enough, then what's the sense of all of that, you know? Yeah, totally. It's super easy for artists to kind of focus on presenting themselves, kind of like, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm up to, this is what and sort of put on the, the impression that things are cooking, things are happening, and great things are coming when there's really nothing. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's it's really, yeah, it's really key. You need to have that you, substance. <laughs> well, you do, and, and that takes work, and that takes, you know, practice, that takes, you know, like really honing your, your, your skill and your craft, um, and just making good content, whether it's music or something else. I think that is definitely needs to be priority over everything. So yeah, before you can sell you got to create you got to be practice you got to be good yep great to hear back from michael cochran from cochran and company on between the grooves he was our guest last year well that is it for this week we we are out of time don't forget to uh, take a listen to older episodes make sure you hit that like button that subscribe button and share it with your friends and your family and uh, everybody and anybody that you meet up on social media and having coffee with whatever and you can find us on social media we're on twitter and on facebook at between grooves and that's right make sure you like and share pass this on let people know that you are listening that you are enjoying and that you are digging the podcast and we'll see you next time right here 
on Between the Grooves. And thanks for listening. Remember, we've got lots of podcasts on our podcast network at faithstrongtoday.com. Thank you.